Welcome to our podcast. This is Teresa. And this is Scott. And we're here for another fun conversation about last weekend's message. Yep. And this is North Star Community. If you don't know that from clicking on the icon that said North Star Community when you listen to this. Yeah. And so this is just a a fairly new but totally fun thing that Scott and I do where we come back and recap uh, the previous message in more conversational form rather than recorded. And uh, I don't know, I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, I'm having fun doing this each week. So I guess we'll keep doing it as long as people seem to get something out of it and we think it's more or less fun to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you told me recently that um, a lot of a lot of the cool kids start their podcast with a seemingly unrelated story. Yeah. And uh, so I want to start with getting us, like, right out of the gates, getting us completely off track. All right, let's go off track. Um, I think the thing of it is, is you gave a really radical message this past weekend, which I cannot wait to unpack. I mean... Honestly, it was really difficult to process through that message um, and also extremely enlightening to me. I am sorry if anyone missed it because it it was amazing. Uh, But any kind of radical message usually leaves us with burning questions. Yeah. And... um, Sometimes the burning questions, I think, are more reflective of us being compulsively thinking about a particular wounded area in our life and can really actually distract us from the point of your message. Yeah, that's true. So I want to distract us from the point of your message right out of the box. And so for people who weren't here for this message... um, Please listen to the whole podcast because <laughs> the good stuff is yet to come. But let me raise a question first. Okay. Off topic. So this morning in um, our local newspaper, there was an article about a family having holiday stress because the matriarch of the family was inviting a relative to Thanksgiving dinner that was, and this is in quotes, a third-degree sexual offender. Mm -hmm. I won't go into all the details about what a third-degree sexual offender is, except to say that there are four degrees, and the fourth degree is the highest. And Meaning the most severe. It's very severe, and it always involves minor children. And so the matriarch was saying that To be a Christian, we had to love everybody in a radical, forgiving way. And that's why she felt like this family member needed to be included in Thanksgiving dinner. And all the relatives that had minor children disagreed with that and said they weren't coming. And it has caused a family brouhaha. Yeah. And I know that this is absolutely not the point of this message. But it is one of those questions that's going to be that, that might come up, particularly for families who are struggling with broken relationships. Yes. And what I want to say before you say anything is that broken relationships are on a very large spectrum. Yes. And this message is not those extreme relationships. And in addition to that, 
all of our relationships are not extremely broken. Right. So this message is not about the extremes. But is there anything you want to say about extremely broken relationships within the context of what you're about to talk about? Well, I think we need to back up because if somebody wasn't here for the message, then they wouldn't know uh, what, why we were talking about this. So uh, first of all, the message was about um, compassion and not forgiveness. Those are related concepts, but they're not the same. Um, and the idea is that, um, compassion, uh, through the lens of our faith, through our certain way of seeing, is something that must be shown, uh, to those who are different from us, in order to be truly living out of our way of seeing, in order to be truly reflecting uh, God's love, God's image. Um, and that often means showing compassion to those we hate or those who hate us. And um, this is, I think, the an unintentional theme of my past two messages has kind of been, what does faith cost us? Yeah. You know, what do we, uh, or what are, what are the unintended consequences of our actions in some ways? What do we lose when we uh, choose certain paths and not others. And so a lack of compassion sometimes means that we are uh, costing, you know, that, that there's a cost to that, that that we may not see, but somebody else may see, or there may be a spiritual cost to that. Um, and yes, there are absolutely relationships where, um, you know, I think the problem with that story is that Forgiveness is complicated, and we did a whole series on, we did a whole class on forgiveness this year that I think actually makes, could make really good sense of how to think about forgiveness in a Christian way. We wrote a book on it. We did. Um, <clears throat> now we want to rewrite it, but that's beside yeah, the point. Yeah, I think there were a couple things that we added in that class that, that would really help clarify that situation. And mm -hmm. so if somebody were interested in having the forgiveness conversation, send me an email and I can get you kind of the materials from that. Um, that that offer us a way to have forgiveness without doing such unsafe behavior. I think the thing that stands out to me in a story like that is not that I have some issue with using forgiveness language of people who are difficult to forgive, but there's physical safety to consider. You know, you don't have to compromise physical safety in order to forgive, and I don't think you have to compromise physical safety in order to have compassion. Um, and if we, if we don't draw that distinction, um, then we're just going to have a, a really hard time applying these concepts in situations where safety is a, is a, is a central concern. And I know a lot of people, you, you know, there's certainly a lot of people who are, who are so fortunate that they don't have to think about physical safety when they think about compassion or forgiveness, but so many of us in recovery do. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought about when I was reading the story is um, uh, you, you and I talk about this over lunch sometimes, um, is how sloppy we can get in terms of languaging and uh, applying biblical concepts to our lives. And I think one of my pet peeves is um, 
being sloppy when we think about the concept of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if I could have dug down deep into that story and uh, had a really interesting conversation about it, um, what I would have said is, is that um, it would have probably been... Uh, a situation where the family could have been creative about being compassionate while maintaining a high level of safety for the children, which is always a priority. But once you confused this with an issue related to forgiveness, and this mother was using the verse that you're about to talk about, Mm -hmm. which has that I mean, am I wrong? It has absolutely nothing to do with forgiveness, right? Well, yeah. I mean, again, um, you know, forgiveness and compassion are related, you know, but I I think that one of the problems that people have is they think so uncreatively about what a compassionate or a forgiving response would be. So, so often what we do and what happens in this situation is, well, all of us used to come together for Thanksgiving. Therefore, what forgiveness and and or compassion look like is for all of us to come together for Thanksgiving, regardless of the fact that there may be a physical safety issue. Right. And we don't know where this guy's at in his life. We don't know what care he's received, you know, if there's been mental health issues, if those have been addressed, not addressed, if he's been repentant, if he's been unrepentant. You know, there are a lot of scenarios, you know, that there's a lot of uh, details, I guess, that would dictate what a discerning response would look like right. to something like this, right? So these are nuanced conversations that need to be had. But my point is that so often we think that the forgiving or the compassionate response when it comes to family holidays is we either do things exactly like we did them or we're not being forgiven or we're not being compassionate. That's a duality that we don't have to choose between. Uh, for instance, in that situation, assuming that... Uh, we had reasonable confidence that adults would be safe around this adult. And I don't know if there are or not. I'm just speculating for the right. sake of reckless, reckless speculation. But you can have separate events. You can hold more than one event. You could have an event where the children were present earlier in the day. And you could have an event where certain adults were present later in the day. Or you could do an event for an adults on a different day. Or... You know, the point is there's never just one option and there's never just two options. You can think creatively about about new uh, new opportunities. You can create new opportunities. Right. Uh, if, if your central thing is really we need to include this person in the family in some way. And you can think about doing that that protects somebody else's physical safety at the same time. You don't have to choose. It's either the old way or nothing. Or the adults could have a, a separate meal on a different day. They could meet in a restaurant in a public place. They're, you know, uh, they could go out to the movies uh, and include this person. Um, they're just very, uh, the, the, it's the creativity piece that we lose, I think, when we get very dogmatic. Yeah. Um, so that being said, that was completely off topic, really, for the message, and I think that I don't want to lose that, uh, that we believe that that is off topic from the central part of this message. So tell us about what verse you chose to uh, unpack for us last weekend. 
Um, yeah, it comes from Luke. Luke it comes from Luke. It comes from Luke six. Um, this I'm reading. We use the CEB when we meet, but the Bible I had on my desk is the NRSV. So this is from the NRSV. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So, uh, as if I recall correctly, I think um, you started out uh, the message uh, both days sort of the same, which was asking about, you asked us a, an interesting question, uh, what incentivizes us to live this certain way of seeing? Yeah. You know, actually, what what incentive is there for us or what personally incentivizes us to take a passage of Scripture like this and say, I'm going to try to wrestle with what this might mean to do it differently? Um, I thought that we got some interesting answers to that. What did you hear in that? conversation what did uh what did people respond with yeah do you remember you know i uh i can't remember a lot of the responses at the moment i mean i think that um on saturday night i asked the question um and i don't think i've i don't think i phrased the question well so we got a different set of responses and i asked the question why do you do good yeah you know why do you do good things in life and I think that uh, sort of set up the response of, I think, people could anticipate more or less where I was going with that. And so you right. ended up with a lot of responses like, well, you don't, you know, you don't do good for any particular reason. You just do it because it's right. And, you know, there's a certain level of truth to that. But I think what I was, uh, but I think they were giving me, you know, not they, like they had a problem, but I think we as a, as a, as a group were struggling to see past the uh, how things should be. I think we were given the ideal answer because of how I asked the question rather than sort of what actually happens in us. So you and I often find that we change our questions between Saturday night and Sunday because clearly sometimes the question we ask isn't really what we wanted to ask. Right. Yeah. So that being said, and I said, think sometimes you have to tell people, I'm not looking for the ideal. I'm looking for what actually yeah. is true, and I did not clarify that for. So I think on Sunday morning when I asked the question, people started saying, you know, I asked, "What incentivizes you to to act?" And people started saying things like, "Well, anger." You know, somebody said anger. Yeah. When I'm angry, I act. Uh, somebody said, um, "Trying to make somebody else happy." Right. Somebody said, I can't remember. Can you remember any of them? Somebody said, or maybe I was thinking it, um, uh, avoiding avoiding punishment or something, like avoiding, right. uh, trying to avoid yeah, a bad You might do something good just to avoid being wrong. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like there that, was, you know? I think that was an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of ways to answer that question. But yeah, I was trying to get us to think about what actually, in reality, deep down, 
motivates us to act, uh, and specifically to act out of our faith. But I think, you know, sometimes it helps to think more broadly, what motivates me in general, and mm-hmm. then you can you can look for how that applies to a specific circumstance. So yeah, that was the question we started with. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into it now, but the uh, the uh, example you gave about what a, an experiment was done to try to study what incentivizes people, I found that completely fascinating. Do you want to tell the crowd about that? Sure, yeah. So the masses, I, I, the millions of people that listen to this podcast. Yes, yes. I, I wanted people to be thinking about incentive and I'll, I'll do, I'm going to say this first, just because I just read these verses. Because I think on the surface level, and let me be clear, I think the surface level is important. The surface level of this passion, Jesus is talking about actions. Be merciful. In the CEB, they say be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Uh, do good, lend expecting nothing in return. And... On the one hand, we have a set of actions that are right there on the surface. Do good, lend expecting nothing in return, be compassionate. And I think the real question is uh, that Jesus is asking and trying to get his followers to think about is why? Why are we motivated? You know, what is the driving motivation towards these things? Uh, Because, you know, he starts with these kind of rhetorical questions of like, what good is it if you do some, you know, if you do something loving to someone who loves you? What good is it to lend someone when you know you're going to get that money back? There's no grace, there's no mercy being extended in the lending if you know that it you can do without in that interim time period when you know it's coming back your way. Right. Um, and so his his what he's really pushing them to think about is what is truly compassionate? Right? Is it is it is it this sort of temporary kind of stuff where you're going to give something knowing it's coming back your way? Or is it taking a risk? Is it going to cost you something? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted us to think about incentive because I think the, the bottom line, uh, I, think, I think what's underneath the surface for Jesus is this idea of incentive. What incentivizes us to live out of our, our way of seeing? Is it, is it hope for some kind of reward and 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 to be fair, Jesus uses the word reward there, so maybe we'll circle back to that in a few minutes. Yeah, I want to circle back to that, but <clears throat> yeah, so clearly study, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, keep going, but we'll circle back to that. Okay. So yeah, so that's why I wanted to get us thinking about incentive is because I think incentive is kind of uh, a central part of what's going on there in that conversation. So I had read about a study that was done. There were two groups of people. And um, the, the people orchestrating the study, they, they were sent into a room and, and given a task to do individually. So there were, there were groups of people, but they were doing the task individually. And it, it doesn't really matter what the task is, I think. But it was essentially a task where the first group was told, this is the thing you need to accomplish. And just do it in however long it takes you. You know, go in there. This is the task. You know this is the task to do. However long it takes you is fine. We're just trying to establish a baseline. We're trying to figure out how long it takes an average person uh, to do this task. Okay? They told the second group, okay, we want to see how quickly you can do this. And the way that they incentivized them to work quickly was to offer them money 
So, you know, if you finished in X number of minutes or whatever, they'd give you five bucks. You know, if you finished faster than that, 10 bucks, faster than that, 15, whatever. They offered them money. They offered the monetary incentives for doing the task quicker. More money, the faster you went. Right. The faster you go, the more money you get. That's the bottom line. And so, you know, we, we pulled the group. Who do you think did the task faster? Those who were incentivized by money and reward or those who were just told, well, whatever it takes is whatever it takes. I just want to go on record to say that I guess the answer correctly. <laughs> well, you would have been in the minority. so we I said, was in the minority, so which group, made me feel really rewarded. Group one was the group that had no incentive. And so we asked, which group do you think completed the task quicker? Uh, group one. And then there was a couple people who raised their hands. Uh, me group, being group one, one of them. Yep. Group one, again, was the unincentivized group. And then we said, how about group two? And group two was the group pursuing the money. And a vast majority of people raised their hands. And actually, it was group one. Yeah. The unincentivized group was able to do the task quicker. Now, there's a variety of reasons that they uh, determined that that might be the case. Um, the bottom line in terms of applying that study elsewhere, I think, is this idea that incentives can actually kind of get in our way, mm -hmm. which is a really interesting thing to think about to me because when it comes to faith so often I think uh, faith, faith leaders are tempted to keep offering people incentives to be faithful because I think it's tempting to think that without the incentive nobody's going to do the difficult work of sticking to their certain way of seeing. Well and, and I would say that and I really try not to do this but but sometimes as a pastor, uh, because I believe very strongly that certain behaviors are very predictive of long-term recovery, long-term faith experiences, transformational work, I sometimes really have to work hard at trying not to incentivize or probably, to be more honest, manipulate people to, quote, do things that I I know are going to be helpful. Yeah. So, like, I get it. I mean, because there are certain behaviors, um, sporadic showing up for community yeah. is a huge red flag. And so when somebody gets sporadic in, in attendance, it makes me a little twitchy um, for them. You know, um, and yet, I mean, uh, you just can't, you just can't go all codependent and try to manipulate people. But I'm, I'm saying that just in full disclosure, that if there was a way to incentivize somebody to work a good, faithful recovery program, and be a person of faith, if there was a way to incentivize that actually worked, I'd do it. Right. But I'm old, and I don't happen to think that that's very effective. And in fact, counter, uh, counter to the good work. You can only incentivize or manipulate somebody for a certain amount of time. And what do you get in the end anyway? You get 
Perhaps a codependent response. Or a, little cl- compliant. a compliant response, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, but I just got to admit that, um, man, I sometimes wish it worked, but it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Carry on. So to take a step back, um, you know, the interesting thing about what Jesus is teaching in that passage, I think, is that there's no good incentive to carrying out your faith, like true faithfulness. Um, offers you very little incentive, right? Yeah. And, and must be done without the intent of receiving an incentive in order to be truly compassionate and loving, right? To be loving is to love regardless of incentive. To, compass- to be compassionate is to show compassion without incentive uh, because faith offers you very little. Well, and in that regard, you know, uh, I feel the same way listening to you say this as I did both Saturday night and Sunday morning. I actually find that to be a more palatable, uh, acceptable, and inspiring truth than hoping for incentives. Well, I think because, like, you know, it kind of just rings true. It does. It right. just rings Be- true. Because when you keep making promises, when you keep over-promising, and I think that's one of the things that has gotten the faith in a lot of trouble in, in America, is continuously over-promising what faith is going to do for you. Every day with Jesus is better than the day before. Yeah, or mail us your last $50, you know, praying on the elderly and having them send in a check, their last check for 50 bucks, promising that if, you know, if they contribute to this ministry, then they're going to have riches beyond their wildest dreams. You know, there have been a lot of people who have preyed on people that way, uh, trying to offer them kind of monetary incentives. Um, you too can have a Cadillac. Right. I mean, if you... Pray, and if you're faithful enough. Yeah, or... Yeah, and if you give enough. Yeah, if you give enough usually is the way that goes. Um, and so I think, yeah, so I, I think what you see here is something that rings more true, which is um, good deeds often go unrewarded. And not only do they go unrewarded, but they may even cost you something. Yeah. You know, like being willing to lend without knowing whether or not you're getting that that back is like... That would be a particular challenge. You know, Jesus was very rarely talking to wealthy people would be my guess uh, just based on the demographics right so right. when you tell somebody to lend expecting nothing in return you're talking to people who who probably have very little to lend right and so the idea of not getting what you've lent back would be really frightening yeah and so think about you know think about fear yeah you know think about uh giving up something that you'd be afraid to lose yeah i mean that's that's those are the stakes here and um and and so yeah i don't want to ramble no i think where else do we need to go (laughs) well uh maybe now also would be a really good time to go back and circle back about the fact that there is that word reward in there um yeah and that was where that yeah sorry yeah, that was where the language of the CEB does a really good job 
of transitioning from from one sentence to the next. And um, I personally think the translation of Luke in the CEB is the best. And I think you're kind of, I don't know, I think you've kind of got a bromance going with the Gospel of Luke anyway. I do, and uh, but I think it's your favorite book of the Bible. Huh? Yeah, I never. Eh, maybe so. Um, but uh, one of my professors is what is was considered one of the top handful of Luke scholars in the world, and he was on the translation committee for the CEB. And so I would imagine that he had a lot of influence in how certain things were translated. And so I think Luke reads particularly well in the CEB. But uh, so I wish I had it in front of me. But I, I think the idea is it transitions from from talking about loving your enemies, doing good, lending, expecting nothing in return. And then when Jesus goes on to talk about the reward for that, uh, he says your reward will be great. And uh, it says it a little bit different in the CEB and better. Um, but essentially the implication is that the reward is that you will be acting as a child of the Most High, is the language that they used. It's very difficult for us to separate our concept of reward from something material, or maybe not even something material. I mean, it could be emotional. Sometimes, I think that was one of the things that came up when you asked about incentive too, like, why do you do good? And and people would say, well, it, you feel better, you yeah. know, when it when it does good, and and that's that's that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, however, it's still receiving something, right? Yeah. Like, to give expecting nothing in return is to expect nothing. It's not to expect nothing physical. It's to expect nothing. So you give expecting that you're not going to get anything physical, and you're not going to feel better. So in that sense, you're unrewarded, and it's costing you something right? And so when Jesus talks about reward, we think, well, okay, sure, maybe I'm not going to get anything physical, but I'll feel better. No, you're not, prob in many cases, or at least in some cases, you're not going to get that either. Your reward is the fact that you know that you are bearing God's image. Now, see, I, I'm very attracted to that message um, because I don't know if this is just part of my personality or what. But if you tell me that every day with Jesus is supposed to be better than the day before, eventually I think I'm going to give up because that's not my life experience. Yeah, because like, you know, the 200, 200th time you have a bad day. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, something has really gone wrong here. Yes. And... You know, I've only got a, a few options as to who to blame at that point, right? Right, and so and, often people blame themselves, yeah. right? Like every day with Jesus is supposed to be sweeter yeah. than the day before, so I must be bad at being with Jesus. Yeah, or, you know, maybe there is no Jesus or whatever, you know. Um, but rarely do people just say, oh, that could just be a false idea. Yeah, and to me, for this to be a true idea, to say, no, there, you, you may, this is going to cost you something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of even thinking about the kind of ministry efforts we do, yep. right? Um, you know that I've stopped going to conferences. I, I, will I will not go to another conference where the point of the conference is to tell people how awesome your ministry is. 
um, and how your numbers are increasing and how great it is and how much you love ministry, Ray Rasis Boomba, not doing that anymore because it's setting up a false, a false uh, expectation that I think costs people um, their calling sometimes or their sense of, you know, um, quote, legitimate reward. Yeah. But if you tell me, no, you know, it's probably not going to work. Um, th- there's no incentive in this for you but it's still the right thing to do. I'm not only in, but I'm all in and I'm in for the long haul. And it's not good marketing and it's not sexy, but I think it's the truth. I think that sucker rings true for me every day of the week and it makes me more compassionate. Yeah. Because now if you come to me and you ask me as a pastor to help be discerning with you about an issue, and you go do the exact opposite of what we sort of came to in our discussion, no problem up for me. Yep. Because I'm not in it to convince you to be a different person than you choose to be. And knowing that brings me such joy every single day. I don't have to be successful. I don't have to be good at it. I just have to stay. I have to hang in. I have to be present. I have to um, keep looking for compassion. I don't have to look for competency. Now you know me. I want to be competent. But look, this is this is the secret sauce in people running a long road running and staying on the long path of obedience moving in a certain direction of faithfulness i think this is it i mean i think this is this is it this is the this is huge yeah so i um i think you know it can be very um there is that but it can also be disheartening to tell people there's not going to be much reward. There's not going to be much incentive. It's going to cost you something. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it begins to sound very dark. And uh, you want a little, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, okay, sure, I, I don't need a lot, but, you know, maybe a little something would be nice. And I think that, um, you know, kind of what I closed with saying is that just because we often go unrewarded, often, not always, right? And just because it... Sometimes o- go unrewarded. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not an absolute uh, all or nothing thing. Um, and just because it will cost us something at times or sometimes or often, whatever you want to say, it doesn't mean that this is a zero-sum game. Yeah, you know, I love that point, too. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be any kinds of rewards. That good feeling that you have from doing something positive for another human being, that is a kind of reward, and it's good, and it's going to happen sometimes. It just doesn't happen to be promised. Right. And um, it's not something you can have an expectation about. Um, you, you're not guaranteed to get a high from doing good. 
Um, and, it, and in fact, you're not going to get one a lot of the time. But there's this idea that even during these times where we go unrewarded, and even during these times where uh, good comes at a cost to us, there are still benefits. There are benefits for families, potentially. There are benefits for communities. And it expands, it, you know, it expands out from there. Yeah. You know, if there's a benefit to your community, there could be a benefit to your city. And if there's a benefit to your city, there could be a benefit to your state. And if there's a benefit to your state, there could be a benefit for your country. The point is that you personally may go unrewarded in a circumstance. And you personally, uh, you know, living out your faith, being compassionate, being loving, it may come at a cost to you. But that doesn't mean that nobody benefits. It doesn't mean that there's no benefit. Creation itself benefits. You sort of have to trust that committing to your certain way of seeing and, and being loving and being compassionate uh, has some reward for creation. You See, know? And, and to me, that's so, it, it takes all the pressure off. And mm-hmm. it, it, so going back to that study that you did in the beginning, which I thought was so great about the unincentivized versus the incentivized. Yeah. Right. So I, I love that because it's, it's the, it's the, I mean, honestly, this is how my brain thinks about it. I think that when I can muster up a bit of compassion, which isn't my strong suit, um, and I can discipline myself to do a good thing, also not my strong suit. Yeah. Because of knowing, having this point of this message being part of my certain way of seeing, one of the things that I regularly tell myself is, you just never know where the reward's going to land. Yep. You you may never know what the outcome is because you did this next right thing. Um, and you don't know when there might be some benefit down the road for someone else a year, 10 years, 20 years down the road. That um, encourages me to redouble my efforts because... I quite like this idea of just intentional um, and regular acts of compassion and care and sacrifice and service. Well, if you're only looking yeah. for the outcomes, then you can easily think you've failed when you've succeeded. You can also think you've succeeded when you failed. Yeah. So I'm I'm done with that. I'm... I'm all in in this message that you've given, and um, I hope that it will uh, be helpful to me. Um, Can I close with a story? Because I feel like you're about to you're about to close us. Can I jump in with a with yeah? A how did you know first? I was trying to think of what the name of Blue Dot Sessions was? <laughs> I could just see <laughs> the wheels spinning. You know, it's terrible to be this transparent. Um, Go ahead, son. Tell your story. So uh, we should have started with this. This would have been a good. Uh, this would have been a good um, irrelevant starting start. Well, I you, guess maybe it's not. Do you want totally. to save it for another podcast? No, no, no. Okay, go ahead. So um, our stuff was stolen out of our backyard on consecutive days. And I, I heard that story about 
a stranger coming in and stealing stuff out of your backyard. Someone stole stuff out of our backyard. Now, it's not a big deal. Nobody worry about us. Um, we had, uh, we moved into an old house uh, recently, and we had to replace the uh, dishwasher and the water heater. And so the old ones I had put out in our yard, they were no, they were not functioning, but they could have been, somebody else could have used them for parts. So I posted them on Craigslist for a few dollars, you know, and somebody could have come by and gotten them, whatever. And I'd gotten some messages about them, you know, I was likely going to sell them just for a couple measly dollars. Well, somebody uh, saw them out in our yard and, um, and there was a little bit of scrap metal too. So, uh, something one, I tore off your garage, yes. I think. Yeah. So, why you went out of town? I went over to your house and tore stuff off your garage. We had some friends make us dinner on Sunday, an early dinner for us and Nora. And so we were, we were gone. And our neighbors saw somebody when we got back, the, the water heater and the dishwasher were gone. And the scrap metal. Uh, not, no. Oh, scrap metal wasn't gone yeah. yet. Okay. So I was like, what the heck? Uh, not a huge deal, but but strange, you know? So our neighbor tells, uh, texts me and says, yeah, I saw somebody come over. I didn't know if it was somebody you knew or not, but I saw somebody with an SUV come over, go in your gate, and take the water heater and the dishwasher and put it in the back of his Ford Explorer, and he left. And I was like, dang, that happened in broad daylight. Somebody came, and we were right around the corner. I mean, like... It's amazing. Mm, so... Anyway, the next day was Monday, and on Mondays, I'm home all day with Nora. And uh, I get a text from the same neighbor at about 8.45 in the morning. He says, the guy's back, and he's in your yard. And he's, uh, he was taking the scrap metal this time, so he had gotten the water heater and the dishwasher. So I'm in, I'm in my house. Does he vacuum? Does he clean bathrooms? I, yeah, I don't know. This is like sort of the this nicest like thief ever in a way because he got, yeah, he got crap out of our yard for us. But still, it felt so invasive, you know, yeah. and I have my baby in the other room asleep. She was napping already, and, you know, so I run out of the house, and um, he, he, had, he had driven off already. But I, I ran out and I was, you know, at first, oh, yeah, yeah. So at, at first I'm like, I hadn't quite run out of the house yet, but like I, I made sure the door, the front door was locked and um, I got my shoes on. And as I was getting my shoes on, I was thinking about the message and about compassion and love to those who, who probably don't deserve it, right? So I'm... I'm angry, but running out of the house, already thinking about this because I've just given this message the day before. And this is um, one of the annoying side effects of giving a message, right? And so he's not there, but my neighbors, my, my neighbors out there, and he's taking pictures and he's gotten the license plate number and whatnot. And so he's saying to me, "Yeah, you need to call this in because he could still be in the neighborhood. You need to, you know, call and tell the cops and whatnot." And, um. I start thinking about it, and I'm like, well, you know, because of the work we do, you know that a lot of times there are people who have charges hanging over their head, who have, you know, changed their lives in some regards, and so another call from the police can you send them away. could be a third strike. Could yeah. be a third strike. Yeah, yeah, not a third strike in this case, but yeah, it could be, you know, you could cause, I, I guess the point is you could cause problems for a person that are out of 
balance with the offense. Disproportionate. Yeah. Disproportionate yeah. to the offense. <clears throat> surprised and, I came up with that big word, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not surprised. You have a great vocabulary. Mm, thank um, you. <clears throat> but, the, the, you, you know, you start processing this idea that, yes, an offense was caused to me, but it was actually not that big at a big of an offense it feels larger than it is the invasiveness feels larger than it really is and he didn't take your good expensive ladder right we had other stuff out in the yard that he could have taken that was much more valuable and he didn't so he clearly you know this wasn't dangerous and this wasn't malicious necessarily it was like he took the he took the stuff that he knew was junk only it's still stealing right but it's it's like it could have been much worse you know in a way and you know, you start thinking about it and you realize, like, this is the kind of situation where, yeah, it, it cost me a little something. It cost me very little, but something. And, you know, I could make a very difficult, you know, I could make this person's life very difficult in some regards, but why? Yeah. Um... So did you call the cops? Ultimately, I say all this. I did call the non-emergency line and let them know because my neighbor had my neighbor and I talked about it, and he said, you know, he could be doing this in other yards in our neighborhood, and there could be people who are harmed much more so than you. And so, even though you're not that concerned about it, there could be somebody else. And actually, as it turns out, we have received other, you know, since. We have talked to our neighbors, and, and evidently there has been a, a string oh, gosh, of things going going missing. And while we were not affected, other people were affected. And so getting the license plate number ends up benefiting our neighbors. But it was a difficult decision, Yeah. right? Because it was like, these are the things that I thought through. And ultimately, unfortunately, I did call the police. Uh, Do you have it, some ambivalent feelings about having done that? I really, we, I, if it were just up to me, I, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, I really feel guilty about it, to be honest, because you just don't know. Right. And um, you just don't know. And, and so I, I don't want to be the person that, that contribute, you know. But that's that's the kind of thing, you know, we started with this example of forgiveness and when is, you know, what does compassion look like in difficult circumstances? And it was kind of like our starting example was this isn't really an example of what we're talking about. So I wanted to tell this story as an example of what it may look like. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of, you know, and I, and, and you know, if, again, if it were just me, I think I, I would have been content to let that go. And I think that would have been in accordance with my way of seeing. Well, can I give you another way to think about it before we start closing and I start talking about the awesome music that's going to be on here? Sure. Um, in another yard, he could have been taking scrap metal an old hot water heater, and a broken dishwasher, and somebody could have come out and shot the dude. Yeah. So this is high-risk behavior for him. And um, so who knows? And I think that that is exactly uh, what your story indicates to me, that in applying these verses, a lot of times it is going to be a who knows. Yeah. There could be many different compassionate responses. And so wrapping this uh, podcast up, I would say that this is the 
the struggle is real and it may be the most important part rather than knowing that there's a dogmatic right answer to what compassion and sacrifice looks like yep and not all and and uh taking uh taking a careful look at what incentivizes us it's not just one thing and it's not going to be just one easy answer and so we can be a little gentle with ourselves and others as we try to apply these principles yeah so that's right hey i just thought your message worked on a whole bunch of different levels good job good I'm glad. i'd clap for you but i think it would hurt the mic but we're getting so used to clapping my ears for the, anyway for the grandchildren I, I feel like we should be clapping for you that's right but but as a as a christian would say good job scott <laughs> i haven't heard good him say job, that scott. yet i hope to i hope to hear that soon um, um yeah by the time you hear this by the time the people listening hear this, there's going to be uh, music playing under our voices right now. Who does that music? Uh, Blue Dot Sessions does that music. You got it right. Thank you. Now, where might we find Blue Dot Sessions if we were trying to find them? Well, they have a very weird name. It's Sessions Dot Blue. Sessions.blue. Yep, that's where you find them on the web. And we are a North Star community. Where would you find us on the web if you wanted to find us? Northstarcommunity.com. Dot com, yes. Um, All right. Well, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening and being part of our community and part of our world. Uh, We thank you for who you are and what you do. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. I know that this will probably be posted after Thanksgiving unless you just get super ambitious today. No, uh, we've got... The what we recorded last week is going to go up today. What we record today will go up next week. But either way, we hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. You can be thinking about this stuff for your holiday season. Yeah, you can be thinking about this stuff for your uh, complicated Christmas decisions, right? That's right. All right, guys. We always love uh, our conversations with each other and with you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>